So as I flew back uh, yesterday morning early, uh, just um, excited about what God has for us today. I, I can tell you right now that all we do is to give you ability to encounter covenant relationship. That's why we have all that we do here, is to allow you to experience that covenant relationship. We've been talking about crossing into covenant thinking. Because everything that we do begins with how we think. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But your heart does not receive and abundantly have principles in your heart without you thinking through it. And so we have to have covenant thinking. What is covenant? You need to get online or buy the CD and to listen from the beginning of what we have been talking about. I want you to turn your Bibles to Exodus 32, and now what we want to do in the next few weeks, we want to discover God. We want to discover the true God, because in many people, in their thinking, they believe in God, they believe, they have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, but in reality, they really have not discovered who God is, so their thinking is not in line with covenant thinking. So my goal in the next few weeks is to help you to discover your true God, help you discover who he is and, and, and what he does and why he does it. Because in many instances, we base everything that God is on our past experiences. We base who God is on what people, how people have treated us. And so we will base the next couple weeks on worship, because in order to really understand God and discover God, you must discover worship. And so in this, now we won't question uh, if we really love God. See, that's where a lot of teachers come at you with, is they, they question because of our actions they question whether you really love God. I don't question that you really love God. I question whether you really know who God really is. I don't question your salvation because of the way you think or, or maybe some of the mistakes that you make in your life. I don't question that. I, all through ministry, I've never sat down with people and questioned because of actions in their life whether they really uh, love God or know God when they've said they, that they do. So, so in this, follow my thought pattern here, is I'm trying to break through, as we've talked through in this series, that fog that is there and that, that image, uh, the wrong image of who God is. And so we've been doing that all through this series, and we're going to do that as we talk about worship. But in worship, I'm going to give you what it really is. I'm going to give you understanding of, of truly what worship is, and I think you're going to really grab a hold of this because, again, as I say all the time, I'm really simple, and I have to get things into simplicity so that I can understand it. And so, how do we worship? What, you know, when we say, oh, they're worshiping and they're worshipers, what does that mean? What does that mean? Now, again, we won't question whether you really love God because we do. We love God and we believe in him, don't we? 
And we want to do God's will. I don't even question that. When we turn around and do the very opposite thing of what we're supposed to do, I don't question whether you really want to do the right thing. See, the background of of what we're going to talk about is found in Exodus 32 today. Exodus chapter 32. The background of Exodus 32 is when Israel makes the golden calf. Remember that story? The children of Israel lived in Egypt for 400, basically 430 years. I'll say 400 years. But much of that time, they were in cruel bondage to Pharaoh. Their experience of life was cruelty. Many of their descendants was born, lived, and died under cruelty. Remember that God sent Moses as the deliverer, as we've discussed in, in this series. And, and through 10 miracles, Israel was delivered from cruel oppression. So they went into the wilderness, which was supposed to, uh, people have said that you could cross by foot uh, in about three to four days uh, to where they were supposed to go. But they were actually supposed to be in the wilderness for, for a few months. And by that, because God directed them around instead of through because they were going to meet the Philistines. And he didn't want them to change their minds, so he directed them around. But in the process of those few months uh, and arriving to the promised land, uh, Israel made a lot of mistakes. And because of those mistakes, Israel was in the wilderness for a little over 40 years. So the reason Israel had such a hard time in the wilderness is that their hearts were not turned towards the Lord. I didn't say that they didn't believe in God. I didn't say that they didn't serve God. I said that their hearts were not turned towards the Lord. In Exodus 32, we're going to begin with verse 1. Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And it says, now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, come make us gods. Remember, for a little over 400 years, they saw gods. They, they saw Egypt worshiping gods. Make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this, Moses The man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Notice fear begins to rule them. And Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molten calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, this is kind of odd because I want to show you something that that few people um, will show you. For all they know, they lost their leader, Moses. He'd been gone for 40 days, and because they became nervous or fear began to control them, they turned to Moses and wanted him to become their high priest. 
And they took their gold, they took their earring, they, and they molded it into a calf. Let me just ask you this kind of funny question. Why did they make a calf out of the gold and not a squirrel? Why didn't they make a golden butterfly? Why didn't they, they make a huge man that they could look up and say authority and strength? I want you to really hear what I'm about to say. You naturally worship what you fear the most. You naturally worship what you fear the most. Now, this truth that I just said doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are today. You worship, naturally worship what you fear the most. A preacher doesn't have to tell you to worship what you fear, because you will. Every person worships, again, what they fear the most. Israel proves it to us. If you were in the wilderness, and there was no food or water supply, what would be your greatest fear? It would be the fear of starvation or thirst. Israel came out of Egypt, and Egypt worshiped the gods that they fear. They learned fear. Not just by Pharaoh's whip. They, were, they learned fear through how Egypt, the culture of Egypt was, that every one of their gods was based upon fear. So when they made a calf, that was no surprise at all to Israel, because why? All their worship was based on fear, and Israel at their time, because Moses was gone, their fear was to starve to death or to die of thirst. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to begin to think through, we're talking about covenant thinking. That a covenant God whose love and all that he is is love made a covenant with you. That he said, what I am, who I am, is yours. Everything that I am is yours. And, every, and everything is everything. God created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't matter what you believe in. Your fears and your beliefs are two different things until you make them come together. True worship comes together when you understand fear and you understand belief and you bring them both together. Worship will be full in your life when you understand you must join your belief and your fear. How many of you understand that your belief many times is opposite of what your fear is? Or let me say it again. What your fear is, many times you're believing for something that's different than what you're fearing. So in this, we must understand worship in, in covenant thinking is much deeper than, than playing an instrument. Well, let me just tell you this. How many of you, very few times, ever see someone who can't dance get up in the middle of the floor and dance in front of everybody by themselves? Why? Because their fear is that people are going to make fun of them because they grew up people making fun of them. 
How many of you understand that people that, that, that sing but can't carry a tune and they know it because they hear it's out of tune don't sing very much? But people who know how to sing just sing all the time. And, and their, their thought is, I wish I could dance, I wish I could sing, but because of fear, they don't do it. But worship isn't really based upon singing and dancing, even though that's a part of it. So let's go on. Did you realize that Aaron's response was to bring, uh, bring literally him there, their jewelry? His response was for him to make a god? Now, it's really odd that Aaron would do that because do you realize Moses, Aaron, his sons, and the 70 elders had dinner with God? Have you ever read that scripture? Well, turn to Exodus 24, verse 9 through 11. Exodus 24, verse 9 through 11, you see it on the screen. Then Moses went up, also Aaron... Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in his clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. I'm going to add this, with God. Can you imagine eating dinner with God in his glorious presence? God has sapphire under his feet. Of course, God did not touch them. They would die. The Bible says no man can see God and live. They did. See, a lot of times when we read things and, and we look at, as we talk about the commandments, we look at things that are said, we look at this, this ogre God, but literally what the commandments are for, God's proclamations are for, was to draw and to protect relationship with him and with each other. And God knew at the time that he needed to show relationship with Israel and so here, they ate dinner with God, and 40 days later, they were making a golden calf to worship. Go figure. How many of you would say this? Well, if I had dinner with God, there's no way I'd ever reject him. I'd worship him all the time because I've seen him. <laughs> Remember last time together? There are a lot of times in your life and in mine that even though we've experienced things, because fear has not been dealt with, wrong fear has not been dealt with, that we have a tendency to go right back into that, and because of that, we have difficulty worshiping God. It doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter if you're saved. It, it even doesn't matter if you're spirit-filled. It doesn't matter if you have a miraculous encounter with God. Because what we have to understand is to have the correct thinking, covenant thinking. I'm telling you a fact. Every single day you naturally worship what you fear the most. The greatest news we'll find out is if you fear God the most, 
you will worship God. See, as believers, we are to fear God the most. We are to fear God the most. Let's go a little bit deeper. The greatest commandment in the Old Testament and New Testament is found, again, in Matthew 22. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything in your life is fulfilled through loving God and loving one another. Honoring God and honoring one another. When we live that life, even though people who know better, people who want to be better, do things that are wrong and hurt you, you're to honor and you're to forgive. That's covenant thinking. It's hard because of what we're afraid of. And we're going to talk about it today and next week. We're going to talk about the three greatest fears in our life. The three greatest things the Bible shows us that we fear more in many instances. Christians fear more than we fear God. And we're going to differentiate between wrong fear and right fear. So then you see throughout the Bible a directive from God. The directive is do not fear except to fear God. God is always telling you and me, do not fear. When Adam and Eve fell, their emotion was fear. Jesus was resurrected, and the first things the angels said at the tomb is do not fear. The first thing Jesus said was do not fear. When you look at God's promises, the greatest of them say, fear God and nothing else. So to get us out of this confusion, fear is basically the theme of the entire Bible, love and fear. When you look at the theme of the Bible, you will see God constantly saying, do not fear, or telling us that people fear because they do not fear God. So the question is, what fears are going to motivate your life? We're talking about changing our thinking, covenant thinking. Are you following the way I'm doing this? Are you following how God, the Holy Spirit, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit, is helping us to really recognize how we handle things in life? So the question uh, is, what fears are going to motivate your life? So let me make a statement now. Because you always are going to worship what you fear the most, if we worship or fear anything other than God, it ends up being a curse for our lives. When we don't understand the importance, you see the banner here, the importance of worship, and we don't understand that there's many facets of worship, we had that earlier today. Very facets of worship. We would run to worship. We would run to praise. We would run to honor. We would run to forgive. We would run to not allow the, the, the rejection of things of life to steer us. Why? Because we fear God the most. Because we worship God the most. So the conclusion is, fear God the most so you will worship him. 
The greatest difficulty of people, again, I said it earlier, if you can't carry a tune, you don't like to sing in worship to the Lord. You struggle with that. If you can't play an instrument, if you can't dance, if you can't, all these different things, we struggle with that aspect of worship. And what it does, it it draws fear. It is fear that is exuding out of us instead of a release that's happening at Valley Community in worship and praise. It's a release in this area. So now I'm going to give you some real strong statements from the Word of God in the next few weeks, but I want you to really hear, the because what I'm trying to do is, is really, again, get us into covenant thinking, and so the conclusion is, is we must fear God the most, so it's easy to worship. The definition of worship, and I'm going to give you the definition through the next three weeks. I'm not just going to give you the finale of it today. It is what you trust in the most to deliver you and your source of hope. The definition of worship, it is what you trust in the most to deliver you and your source of hope. So if we're talking about the Bible talks about love and and fear, let me give you the three greatest fears people have naturally. And we're going to talk about one of them today. These are the three greatest fears people have naturally. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. And fear of death. Fear of rejection, fear of failure, and fear of death. See, my goal is that you understand wrong fear, that you will change your thinking into correct fear and honor of fearing God. That the greatest fear you will have is acknowledging and worshiping God. All of us have these fears to some degree. Before we know the Lord, these three fears are very profound fears. They have directed every decision that you have made. And even after knowing the Lord, they can, if we allow them, to still be profound in our life. So what I'm saying is that if we understand these fears and they try to crop up into our thinking or, or our heart, and we understand that these are the fears that have ruled us before Christ, what we will now then begin to think in covenant, say, no, wait, wait, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God, and there's no way I'm going to allow this to rule me in any decision of my life. I will be ruled by worshiping and honoring my God, and how you do that, we're going to see, also is honoring his word and his directive, his commands. And when you do that, you will begin to move through the stuff that has just broken you up, that has created such heartache in your life because you have feared something else the most. People of the world are mostly motivated by fear. Rejection, failure, or death. So let's describe the first one here called 
fear of rejection. God created you in his image and his likeness. When he created Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply. And when he became fruitful, Adam and Eve, and multiplied, what they were to do is to be the image bearer to their children. Well, we understand that that they did not, and because of that, you had Cain and Abel. And you see in the story that Cain was fearful of God's rejection. And because of that fear, he killed Abel. Love is the greatest need in our lives. Not because we just have to have love, because we are created in his image. You are love. For love to move, for love to be, for love to continue, you need love. Covenant relationships is where we love one another, not for what we do, but because we are love, and we love the other person, not because of what they do or don't do, is because they are created in love also. We are like that. We are to love one another. Amen? So when you get to a place, I know I'm being very uh, teachy today, but this is so important you grab a hold of this. To all the young people, I'm I'm excited about what's going on around here. I want to tell you, you have a call of God. God has anointed you and called you and given you purpose. You have a calling in life that no one can stop except you. I don't care how bad the image was before you of God. But now that you're here, you're hearing the truth of the word of God, and I'm being a pastoral image bearer of who God is. I am changing your mind of who God is. And young people, I want you to understand, students, I want you to understand, is that you are called of God. God loves you for you. Doesn't matter what mistakes. Yes, we need to confess our sins before God. So don't Don't carry that statement over to the the wrong side. Just realize is that God loves you because God is love. God's plans for you will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, he's planned it. He's fashioned your days. Those will take place. How you get there is to have covenant thinking and to dive into worship of God. And dive into this understanding of who your God is and to worship him and fear him the most. And when you fear him the most, and I will show you the difference between, because when I say fear, you're thinking about when you're watching a movie called Halloween or something or Exorcist. I'm not talking about stuff like that. I am talking about you being in total, listen to me, awe of who God is, because he's love. And every thought that he has towards you are as of the sands of the sea, and he loves you. Hmm. Love is the greatest need in our lives. Again, remember you were created by love to love. Jesus said, love God, and like it, love each other. That's how you accomplish your purpose. 
Yeah, you'll be working on your computer at work, but how you accomplish your purpose in life is loving God and loving others. So the conclusion is love is our greatest need and rejection is our greatest fear. Because I need love the most, the greatest fear I have in life is that I will be rejected. Someone will not love me. I'm born again. I know who God is. I walk in that. I have covenant thinking. But the enemy can come and constantly attack my thinking and the way I do things based on what people will think and drive me into an area, a right turn or a left turn, of what God is really saying. I care what people think. I desire for people to be blessed. But the reality is, is if I worship God the most, I will always do what he says. And even if people reject me. The greatest fear you have in life or the greatest scars you have in life are from the rejection you received in your past. Many of you do things or don't do things because of scars. I've had uh, knee surgery on each knee. And uh, there are scar tissue inside, uh, inside of the skin that's covering my knee. And periodically, a scar tissue will get in the wrong place and cause pain. You can be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in truth, walking in the blessings of God, and then one day, something from your past might want to climb up and to create you to make a decision that will be a mistake and cause you to wander in the wilderness for many days. And I'm telling you, if we understand that rejection is there to give, get us out of the plan of God, then we will dive into our thinking how to worship God. If you fear rejection the most, you then will worship acceptance the most. You will do anything. Ladies, you will give your body away so someone will accept you. Men, you will steal, you will kill, so that group around you will accept you. You will do whatever it takes for acceptance because that's that you fear rejection the most. You will be driven by that. You will be driven by what people say, what people do. And because you do that, you will not walk in the blessings and the direction of God, you will walk out, you love God, you believe in God, you're there, you go to church, you're serving, you're teaching a Sunday school class, you know the word, you're, you've been through OSL, you got all that stuff, but still, rejection is something, if you fear it, you then will dr be driven by rejection and move into everything you do, you want someone to accept you. Proverbs 17, verse 5 through 8 says, He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of the children is their father. Excellent speech is not becoming to a fool, much less lying lips to a prince. A present is a precious stone, 
in the eyes of its possessor. Wherever he turns, he will prosper. And bottom line, what that is saying is that we, when we begin to, to move into a lifestyle of rejection that we, we base on who people are, how they look, or what they do, that we are literally a person that is creating that very fear in people's lives. And so what we have to do, because we are leaders in the kingdom of God, and we are people that even though you're a student, you go to school, you be the blessing in that room, dorm room. You be the blessing in that high school. You be the blessing in that junior high. Yes, there are going to be people that reject you. Why? They've had a bad image, and they're worshiping acceptance, and they do not fear God, even though they may go to church. And you need to see why people do what they do. Psychologists make billions of dollars. Doctors make billions of dollars. The drug scene makes billions of dollars because of people fearing rejection. And the answer is, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And another thing like it is to love one another. Is to worship God. And watch this, very close, we're gonna see this. I'm gonna say this statement, don't take this wrong. And then we're gonna worship what God's done in our brothers and sisters. Because worship isn't falling down on your, on your hands and knees and, and just, oh, you're greater than me. No, it's the ability of understanding you're my brother. And I love who you are and what God's doing in you. Yeah, my brother. We're not perfect. But I tell you, I love what God's doing in you. And I, when I'm around you, we'll joke around like we do. We'll have a lot of fun like we do. But bottom line, my brother, my passion is that God's will manifests in your life. And I honor who you are. Are you seeing that? Pastor, I've tried to do stuff, and people are weird. Yeah, they are. Because their greatest fear is rejection. Can you be the answer to that? If you trust in man, your heart will stray from the Lord. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Have you seen the difference of fear? The fear of man is like afraid, but the fear of the Lord is trust. Let's read it again. The fear of man brings a snare, rejection. But whoever trusts in the Lord, that's covenant thinking. That's trust. Fear of man is, is really a fear man will reject you. So you worship men in the wrong way. A true friend sticks closer than a brother, the Bible says. So if you fear rejection, you will spend your primary energies trying to get people to accept you. You will be driven to do things to get people's acceptance. God calls that the fear of men. Worship of God then will be hindered because you worship man's acceptance. Some of you, maybe even, th this is just part of worship, but some of you might 
you know, not raise your hands to worship the Lord because you're afraid of what your family member will say. Are you getting weird on me now? Raising your hands to who? Right? Some of you don't want to sing. You don't want to shout to the Lord because that's, that's those Pentecostals. We don't like that. There's nothing wrong, amen, hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with shouting to the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with being quiet before the Lord. But when there's corporate stuff going on and we're being led by these great leaders and they say, let's shout to the Lord, we don't go, hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Shout to the Lord. Amen. We need to move into the realm of covenant thinking. Watch this, Hebrews chapter 2. Get Pentecostal on me if you want to. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Bondage. When we fear rejection, we're in bondage. We're going to talk about this later. When we fear death, we're in bondage. Bondage to what? Bondage to fear and not to worship, true worship. Here the Bible is telling us that Jesus came and took the form of humanity. He lived and died on our behalf to liberate us from the bondage we had to Satan. Worship is saying, no longer Satan, I worship you. When you're walking in fear, you are literally in the spirit realm saying, I worship fear, which is the enemy. But if we break out of that, break out of that bondage, and we begin to worship. And, and we're going to learn it's not just coming corporately, it's individually. It's in, at work. It's, it's where we're at, in our closet at home, wherever that we are worshiping the Lord. Because we fear Him the most. But again, we're going to transfer covenant thinking that fear is not being afraid and just Halloween movie. Bondage is exercised through fear. 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Made perfect, in other words, has not matured in the reality of who God is. Who God is. Now, there is a type of fear that is good fear, and we're going to touch on that today. There's a word called awe. In other words, we have a tremendous respect for God. I have tremendous respect for you. How can I reject you when I respect you? 
How can I ruin you through my mouth with derogatory words when I'm in awe, my brother, of who you are? And I'm in awe of who you are. Can you imagine? It begins by being in awe with God. How can you be in awe of somebody if you don't know who that is? So if you know who God is, then you know who you are. Because you're created in the image and likeness of God. And so if you're in awe of God, are you following me here? Does this make sense? When you're in awe with God, then you're in awe with one another. And when we gather together, we come and say, hey, Worker, your people you work with, your neighbors, your friends, come on. I want to show you some amazing people. Well, you know how church is. They're a bunch of fakes. I don't go to church. You know why? Because you fear rejection. That's why. Some lame excuse. Well, I went there and the usher didn't look at me. It's ridiculous. That's wimpy. That's a child. Oops, am I getting too hard here? Hmm. 72 times it says not to fear in the Old Testament and New Testament. Do you think that's important? 72 times. Let's close with this. Covenant thinking is that you are overwhelmed by his, God's love, that you are awed by who he is, so you don't need the acceptance of man that drives you from God. You are driven to worship God. You are driven to worship him. If I told you all my mistakes in life, 59 years, it would take me a few weeks to tell you all of them. But I'm finding I'm doing less and less mistakes because I fear God and obey His commandments. I'm in awe of my God. And because I'm in awe of God, and unbelievably, you're created in his image, then I'm in awe of you. Oh. <laughs> That's how you can, watch this, accept people that are weird and strange. Amen. Anybody know anybody that's strange? <laughs> Don't elbow the person next to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, church. Do you not see that? See, see, I'm just giving you, it's like a, I'm fishing now. I just threw out that little worm and you're just sitting there going, <laughs> looking at that. And I'm just like, just tantalizing you with that. Next week, 
we're going to come and we're going to transition. We're still going to talk about this awful fear, but we're going to transition into awe and love and passion for the kingdom of God so that you will run. You will get up an hour early. You will grab your kids by the nap of the neck and throw them in the car to get here early to worship. When the women gather together, you will run early to worship. And they're calling them girls. When, when the girls gather together, you will run and gather. You will, you will rent a bus to bring your neighborhood kids. It's not because we're any better than anybody else. It's because we know who God is, and we will be at awe of anybody that you bring. And if you're here for the first time, I see a few people I don't recognize. It is amazing to see you here. We are so honored and privileged that a creation of God would come and sit with us. But I want you to know if you're here first time, second time, you will hear the word of God. You will hear the correct explanation of who God is because we're awed with our God. We're awed with our healer. It is his will, our healer. We're awed with how God can take you out of poverty into prosperity because that's his promise. We're awed, Proverbs 3, 4, you'll find favor in the sight of God and man. You go to work and you do your job, you're not this proud ding-dong, you know, walking around like you're proud, but you're proud to be a representative of Jesus Christ. And you will work hard. And because of that, the favor of the Lord will just overwhelm you. That's covenant. You will rise up. A thousand may fall at one side, 10,000 at the other, but it will not come nigh you. Because you worship God. You're at awe with him. Let's all stand. Praise God.